This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Today we have with us uh, one of my favorite people. His name is Jonathan Pearson. Many of you know the way our church functions, but if you don't, um, I'm responsible for providing accountability and oversight for our staff. Um, But the question then remains, who does that for me? And so we have a board of overseers, five uh, pastors from around the country who oversee me. Jonathan serves on that and has since we started our church. I'm very thankful Uh, for his leadership and his friendship in my life. He's really the kind of guy that I can text at any moment and say, I need somebody to pray for me. How many of y'all know you need a friend that you can text and just say, hey, pray for me, and you know they're going to. He's been that kind. But not only that, he was the first person to believe that we could plant a modern life-giving church in a small town like Albemarle. And he encouraged me and connected me and resourced me even when nobody else would believe it, even when most of my friends were saying, I don't know that that would work. Well, we're six years later, and I'm very thankful for his voice in my life uh, because he is one of those voices that encouraged me to do this. So would you welcome to the stage uh, my friend, Pastor Jonathan Pearson. Thank you. Love you. Everybody, y'all doing all right? Good. Every every time I come, I look up in the top, and I think, like, the couple sitting up there, do you guys treat this like a movie theater where you sit in the back, too? Like, seriously, what's going on up there? Because I can't see. So, okay, hand check. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't really do that. Um, so, uh, what? one of the things I thought was pretty cool about y'all is uh, I grew up in a, in a Baptist church. And so, like, we could not talk about um, God make me new wine. We would have to say, like, God make me new grape juice or something. And so I think it's pretty cool that y'all get to sing songs about wine. (laughs) How cool is that, huh? Some of you are like, we don't talk about that here either. Anyway, um, now, I thank you so much, uh, Pastor Kevin and Amanda. uh, In case you are kind of newer here and you don't know their story, um, left um, a lot of what they had known for years uh, to plant this church about six years ago, and, um, you know, planning a church in a movie theater in a completely foreign idea, but what is a foreign idea is planning a church like this in a movie theater in a town in a county like this, and um, in spite of the people that said it wouldn't work, I want you to know that you're not normal, <laughs> like in a good way. You're not normal, that what God is doing here is not something that he does everywhere, and so um, if it, maybe maybe you're just somebody that, that comes and sits sits in a chair and thinks it's kind of cool that it's a modern church and you get to go to a movie theater and that sort of stuff. So I, I encourage you to get involved. Like, join God in what he's doing. Um, as a pastor, there's some, a lot of times there's nothing frustra- more frustrating than knowing that you have talent and you have um, availability sitting in the seats, um, but they're not willing to join with the mission. And so what, what Vortex is doing is, is not normal. And so make sure, you're, uh, make sure you're a part of what God is doing here because it is, it's special and um, you're uh, inspiring other people around the country as well. So thank you. Uh, Pastor Kevin and Amanda, and um, for for all that you do, and the staff. I mean, isn't your staff amazing? I mean, just like 
Uh, like literally, they I don't think they miss anything. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think they, they miss any dot of the eye or anything. So anyway, let's, let's jump in. As you saw, the, um, the Rampage is a movie, a typical science experiment gone wrong kind of movie. Um, they're doing the science experiment in space and something falls. And there's a lot of legs to this story, but something falls and the rock kind of takes over. Like, how, how can you not like a movie with the rock in it? Like, a lot of people say I look like him. And I'm just like, that's flattering. Um, what? It's besides the fact that I don't have muscles and I'm not dark. Okay, or, or make that kind of money. But anyway, but a lot of people say I look like him, and so, you know, I'm just like, no, no, that's okay. But I actually heard a couple weeks ago that at the end of this movie, spoiler alert, um, that George um, was actually going to die in the original script at the end of the movie. And The Rock's like, no, people come to my movies, they want to feel good. Well, that's not happening. If I'm going to be in this movie, George is going to make it out alive. And so there is a scene at the end of the movie, don't take your kids to it, um, where George does, you think he's dead, but then he's, then he's not. So anyway, so it's basically the science experiment gone wrong. Science experiment falls from space. These animals get a hold of it. And throughout the movie, they begin growing, getting bigger and bigger. And it feels like it's too late to, for, for this to change. And so they begin destroying everything in their path. So throughout the rest of the movie, these animals, there, begins, there ends up being three of them going this kind of rampage and begin destroying everything in their life. And throughout the movie, you're thinking, this can't end well. It seems like it's too late. And this is, that, that's kind of the way I think it felt for the lady that Jesus tells this statement to. In John 11, 25, it says this. It says, Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And so what do you do when the thing that's in front of you doesn't match what God has told you? Like what happens when what you know about God doesn't match what you see in your life? Like, you know that he promised to never leave you, but you don't feel his presence. You know that he's promised to provide, but you don't see the provision. What happens when what's in front of you doesn't match what you believe? Because when Jesus makes this statement in John eleven twenty five, the evidence does not match what she's being told. A lot of us this morning, we come into here, into this place, and we know that Jesus is a God of aliveness. Like, he is a God of life. He is a God of resurrection, but right now it feels like there's some dead things in our lives. We feel like it's too late. Like it's too late for, for me to get it together. It's, it's, it's too late for, 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 for me to become a godly parent, like that they're too old already. It's too late for me to, to begin saving money and to get myself out of this financial hole. It's too, it, it's too late for my family member to be, to be healed. It's, it's too late for, 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 the, for this diagnosis. I'm, I'm too old. I can't, I can't come back from this. We feel like it's, it's too late. It's too late for, for me to apologize. It's too late for my marriage. Like I, 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 it's, a lot of it's my fault, but it, it's too late for me to get it back together. And we feel like it's too late. This morning, this is my message to you. It's never too late. It's never too late. Say that with me. It's never too late. It's never too late. We're going to be in John 11. And just to kind of set this passage of Scripture up, this is, um, the book of John is the fourth gospel. And, um, during the book of John, Jesus makes these I am statements. He'll say, I am, he says, I am the gate. He says, I am the bread of life. He makes these different I am statements. He's just made the statement. He says, I'm the good shepherd. Basically, he's proclaiming that he himself is God. Not a good thing to do. Um, back in that day, 
you probably get looked at funny here. Back in that day, you would get stoned and killed. And so he proclaims this. He says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, the ones who believed in all the laws and thought that they were the most important thing in the world, they began to, to kind of cause some upheaval and they try to stone Jesus. They try to arrest him. He flees this arrest and, and, and is on his way out and a man named Lazarus is sick. Jesus hears about this because Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Now, Jesus already has a relationship with this family. Like, like they already have some sort of connection and closeness with them. And so Mary and Martha send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick and is, and is about to die. He tells them about their brother. And when Jesus gets that message, he says in John eleven four. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that Son of God will receive glory from this. My question to start us off this morning is what feels dead in your life? Like, was it a dream that maybe you had years ago? Like, you had this dream to make a real difference? Like, not just have a job, not just nine to five, take care of your family, that's great, but you had like a dream. And 10 years later, the dream looks nothing like what you thought it would look like. What, what feels dead in your life? Like, are, were you someone who were, you were determined you weren't going to make the same mistakes your family did when it came to your finances? Like, you were determined you weren't going to make those same mistakes, but yet a few years in, you're, you're headed right down that same path, and it looks dead. What, what seems dead in your life? Is it like a, like a family member? Like, you, they called you over the past year and they gave you some more bad news and it just feels like the situation is dead. What feels dead in your life this morning? What feels hopeless? What feels like it is lifeless inside of you? Maybe you thought you had overcome some addiction, but yet every time you think it's gone, it comes back. And so your hope of ever getting out of it feels dead this morning. What feels dead in your life? And the reason we have to answer that question is because it's going to point us to the one who can always bring it back to life. Because we serve a God who is not about the dead, but he is about the alive. And notice, notice in these verses, Jesus says this will not end in death. Now sometimes, let me just say, be honest, sometimes things must die or feel dead inside of us so that God can bring them back to life so that he can reveal himself in new ways. For some of you, you're like, nope, I'm pretty sure it's dead. That, that may be the case too, but you can rest easy and you can rest assured because Jesus is, is, is someone who says it's never too late. Even if it is dead, I can bring it back to life. This will not end in death. Nothing is too big for him. Nothing is too small for him. Whatever feels dead in your life, he can bring it back to life. And he goes on to say in that same verse, he says, no, this happens so that the glory of God can be revealed. Ultimately, as us as believers, one of the most common questions we can get is, God, why, uh, Jonathan, why do bad things happen? Ultimately, it all points back to this, so that the glory of God can be revealed. As believers, we have the opportunity to redeem any situation if it can bring God glory. Jesus said, they, they asked him, they said, what are the two greatest commandments? Jesus said, love your God, love your neighbor. So when you're going through these dead times, when you're, going, when you're looking at what seems dead, even though you want it to be alive, ask yourself. You may want to write these down. Ask yourself, what is God doing in me? Like, what is God doing in me so that the glory of God can be revealed? If he wants to reveal his glory through this situation, and I know that he wants me to love him and love others, what is God doing in me? 
And number two, what is God doing through me? Like, what does he want me to do with this? On the other end of this, what, what, is, he, what is he birthing inside of me so that I can help others? If you waste a dead period in your life, you will regret it. If you waste pain in your life, you will regret it. The pain and the dead periods will come. What you are responsible for and what I am responsible for is what we do on the other side of it. Jesus says this happens so that the glory of God can be revealed. So Jesus gets word. He stays there a couple more days. Jewish tradition, you had to be dead for three days in order to be pronounced dead. So he's gonna let Lazarus die here. That's why Jesus was buried for three days so that everyone would know like Jesus didn't just perform a magic act. Like he didn't just take a nap. He didn't just hold his breath for a really long time, but he was literally dead and now alive. And so Jesus hangs around so that everyone will know that Lazarus really has died. And he goes back to, to Judea where he's just escaped from to go raise Lazarus. While he's about to leave, his disciples are with him. They're like, hey, Jesus, dude, listen, don't you remember like they just tried to, tried to kill you and now you want to go back into it? Like, bad idea, Jesus. I know you're the son of God and everything, but maybe you just had a brain fart or something, but like, that's not a good idea. And so the disciples try to stop him and Jesus begins talking. He tells them, he's like, listen, Lazarus is just asleep. They think, they're like, well, that's okay then. Let's just let him take a nap. He'll wake up. Jesus is like, no, no, it's, it's a little different. So he goes on to, to explain. It says in John eleven fourteen, 14, it says, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And verse 15 seems a little harsh. It says, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And so this kind of seems harsh, doesn't it? Like, what it feels like Jesus is saying is it feels like he's telling his disciples, no, I'm glad Lazarus is dead. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he died. It's, it's almost like Jesus is sitting on the sidelines of this with his arms crossed, just watching, laughing, because Lazarus is dead and these people are feeling their pain. Jesus isn't laughing at people's pain, but he's excited for the purpose that's going to come from the pain. A lot of people are convinced that God wants to cause you pain. There's a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of people, and I sit with a lot of people, and there's a lot of people even within the church that are convinced that if they just do something a little wrong, then God's going to get them back and that God actually enjoys the pain. God does not enjoy the pain in your life. Jesus is not enjoying the pain of these sisters, but he knows the purpose in the pain. And if you go through life, and if you and I, if we go through life, and we think it's just about the pain and forget about the purpose— will live with a lot of regrets. Jesus knows the end of the story, right? Like he knows that on the other end of this, he's about to raise this dead man. And he's about to get the glory. Lives are about to be changed. We're going to be talking about it 2,000 years later, but they have no idea. And so when you're zoomed in on a life event, it looks like God is <laughs> celebrating your pain, but really he is working it for a purpose. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm I'm kind of glad that he died because now I get to do something great. If nothing ever dies in your life, how are you ever going to see God's purpose through your life? So it seems like he's celebrating the pain, but he knows the purpose. I have a four-year-old little boy, and he has a lot, of, a lot of allergies. And so a few months ago, the allergist said, you know, I think, I think we can do allergy shots. So we take him, they do allergy tests. They put this big thing that kind of pricks his back, and uh, they begin to 
like circle, you know, he's allergic to this, he's allergic to this. Meanwhile, he's screaming and hollering because he got his back pricked, even though it didn't hurt that much, he said, but he still didn't like it. And so he, he got his back pricked, and so, you know, they're, they're circling, he's allergic to this, basically playing tic-tac-toe or connect the dots on his back. And so they're like, well, come back in two weeks, the stuff will be here, and we'll start allergy shots. Well, as soon as we pull up in the allergist, like he associates this building with that pain of those, that test, and so he like immediately starts crying and screaming a little bit, trying to get him out of his car seat to go in because he's smart. He knows what's going on. And so we're walking in, kind of got the death grip on him, you know, ah! and we're trying to hold him. I'm like, I promise I'm not hurting him. He's not crying because of me. He's crying because of y'all. And so we're going in there. We, we do our thing. We go in the door. We wait in line to get our shots. And I'm holding him. He's kicking and screaming. And then he sees the needle. And you thought George went berserk? You should see my four-year-old. I'm holding him, got the death grip on him. Ah, ah, ah. And he's like, he's, he, he has such a big vocabulary. He's like, I want to leave this place. I don't want to come back. And I'm like, buddy, we have to. And finally, he says the words that make your heart melt as a parent. He says, Daddy, why are you letting them hurt me? The pain may last for a time. And it may seem like your father is letting them hurt you. But there's purpose on the other end of that. Jesus says, Lazarus is dead, but it's not without a purpose. There's something on the other side. So Martha gets word that Jesus is coming, and she goes out to meet him. Obviously, she's probably got her hands on her hips because Lazarus is dead at this point. She's like, I got some questions. You sit down, I got some questions for you, Jesus. And so they begin this dialogue, and this is what Martha said to Jesus. She says, Lord, if only circle that those words if only if only you had been here my brother would not have died but even now circle even now but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask a lot of us no matter how long you've been a Christ follower are a lot like Martha you're an if only believer so Martha was someone who had spent some time with Jesus she had seen him do some cool stuff. She had a, a personal relationship with Jesus. She had hung out with him. She even like ran up to meet him in her problem, right? She'd come to him when things were wrong. She sent word to him. But at the end of the day, she was an if only believer. She's like, do y'all do this? Like, God, if, if only you would do this, that you should have given me, you should have given me that other job. Like that seemed like the perfect opportunity or, 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 or God, if, if, if only you would let me date her, right? Or God, if, 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 if only you would have healed her, or if you only you would have healed my, my, my mom, but you're, you're, you're healing them, but if only you had done what I asked you to, if only you had done it when I wanted you to. But watch, watch what she continues to say. She continues to say, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Here's my point. If only, even now. In other words, faith and doubt can coexist. Some of you don't have always heard that if you doubt just a little bit, then God's not going to do anything with you. Like, if, 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 if you doubt, then you don't have faith. What Martha is saying, she's saying, if only, like, I, sometimes I doubt in your plan, God. She's going up to Jesus. She's like, like I kind of doubt your plan right now, but she's also saying, but I trust you. Does that make sense? Like, the two can coexist. And here's what I would do if I were Satan. If I were Satan, if I were the enemy, I would plant a little lie in your head especially if you're a young believer, that says the doubts disqualify you from God, you seeing God's action. 
Because if he can get you to doubt, and he can get you to think they disqualify you, then he can get you to slowly take steps away because the pain is going to continue to come. And so if he can convince you that doubt and faith can't coexist, he'll eventually convince you to walk away from the faith and move all the way into doubt. If only, even now. As a matter of fact, I would say that most of our spiritual lives are spent in the middle of if only and even now. They're spent, they're, 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 that's where we're grown. We're grown in the God. I don't understand your plan, but I trust you. God, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. God, I don't know why you chose to do this, but I still believe in you. In the middle of if only and even now, in the middle of the doubt and the faith, that is the place where you cling to God. That is the place where you draw near to him. You ask for answers. He whispers in your ear and you grow as a believer. Don't think that just because you doubt, you're disqualified from seeing God. If only, even now. Jesus assures Martha, it's never too late with me, Martha. It's never too late. After Martha couldn't quite understand what he's talking about, he makes it clear that he is the only one that can help. Here's the thing, no matter how dead it feels, as long as someone is there that can cure it, there's always hope. Here's another wonderful thing, is that God's promised to never leave us or forsake us. And so Jesus walks up to Martha, and this is what he says in John 11:25. This is where we start. He says, Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So picture Martha. Martha had hope. Like day one, she sends word to, to Jesus the thing that she really wanted to be alive was dying. And she sends word to Jesus, and on day one, she has hope that Jesus is going to come. Like, she believed in Jesus. And day one passes by, and he's not there. Day two, day three passes by, and finally, that thing that she loves so much is dead. Like, that hope that she had of Jesus healing him, that relationship she had with her brother, she is in mourning because what she thought God was going to do in her life. He did not do, and so now it's dead. And so picture Martha coming out to meet Jesus. She's in mourning. And she walks up, and she begins to tell Jesus about the pain that she has in front of her. And Jesus steps up to Martha, I would imagine, nose to nose, and he says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The thing is, is that Martha, the thing is, is that you and I often look at the dead things around us while we're speaking to the very one that can give life. The life giver is right in front of you, and he never leaves you. And what Jesus is telling us, and what he's telling Martha in this passage, is, he, is he's saying, lift up your head. You're too busy mourning the death, but if you'll just look up your, up, lift up your head, life is standing right in front of you. You have a relationship with life. If you focus on what's dead, you'll always come back to the death. But I want you to look up, and I want you to focus on the life. She is telling the resurrection and the life about the death that's in front of her. Isn't that crazy? But we do that too. Like, we, we like to talk about the negative stuff. We like to talk about how this is the end. How I wish it would have turned out this way, or I kind of wanted this to happen. Meanwhile, we claim to have a relationship with the very one who gives us life and purpose. Jesus says, not only do I give life, he says, I am life. 
Like as long as I am in something, there is life to it. As long as I am still around it and you will let me into it, I will breathe life into it. So often what you and I do is with the things that mean the most to us, as we feel like the life is kind of draining out of those things and as we feel like they're out of control, we begin to grasp for stuff. And we begin to hold it because we think we can hold it. We think we can hold on to it. And as long as we have it in our control, then we can still make sure that something's still kicking. As long as we have uh, a wrap on it, we can still do something with it. What Jesus is saying is he's saying, Martha, I want you to look up. Because the only way this is going to have life again is if you look up and if you insert me into it because I always bring life with me. What in your life right now are you trying to control and do you have, think you have by the tail? And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I want to put life into it, but you won't let me. Because you're worried about it. It keeps going through your mind. And what you're doing is you're bringing more and more death because you're choking the life out of it, literally. That's where Martha finds herself. So by this point, and there's much more to the story, but I can't, you have to go back in and read the entire story. But at this point, a, a crowd has gathered. And Jesus, just when it seems too late, prays for Lazarus. And watch what happens in verse 43. It says, Then Jesus shouted. Hold on, Paul's right there. You can leave that up for just a second. Some of you this morning, you need to hear the voice of God again. It's been a long time. It's been a long time because you haven't made room for the voice of God in your life. You haven't been still. You haven't made it a priority. And what usually happens is that God speaks life into something. So if you never give room for Jesus to shout and you never go get him and you never let him shout into your life and you never draw near to him, then yeah, you're going to feel like it's dying. Since Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Come out. I can imagine him saying, come on, boy, you know, like that. It's my southern accent, but verse 44 says, And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. Jesus is saying, listen, take the grave clothes off of that boy. He was dead but now he's alive. Let's go get something to eat. He's like, I want, you to, I want you to unwrap him. At this point, they even are worried about him smelling. Like he's been dead a long time ago. But what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I have shown up. There is life here. Don't even leave a resemblance of death. Some of you this morning, Jesus has made you alive, but you are still living in your past. Some of you this morning, you've accepted Christ. And every time something crops up or an old sin makes its way in, it convinces you that you're dead and you still have the grave clothes on. It's time to get those off. Like for some of you, the, you, you grew up and, 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 and it felt like people were, were, were always constantly against you. And so now, even when things come today, even though, even though Jesus has rescued you, when, when something little bad happens, the voices begin to tell you that you are that same person you were when you grew up, when all the negativity was around. The lies begin to flood you, in, into your head. And what Jesus is saying this morning, he's saying, take the grave clothes off. You've got to move forward. You've got to let me in and provide life. Take off the grave clothes. Because as believers, we have the opportunity. Because we carry Jesus with us, we have the opportunity to speak and insert life into things ourselves. 
But for some of us, our, our attitude is so negative and we were wrapped in the grave clothes and our blinders are on and we never get a chance to move forward in life. We never get a chance to speak life. We never get a chance to feel life because we're still wrapped in the old grave clothes. What would it take for you to take those off? Maybe it's some relationships that you've got to cut off. Maybe it's a habit that is it bad, not necessarily, but it needs to end because it reminds you of your past. For some of you, it's, it's just an attitude. Like, like you have the ability to take the best of things and immediately flip them around and make it the worst of things in your mind, and you've got to break that cycle at some point. Jesus says, take off the grave clothes. I don't want any semblance of dead, and let him go. Jesus says, it's never too late. Like, it's never too late for me to do something in your midst. I know it feels like it's too late, but it's never too late. I know you, it seems like that, 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 that son, that, that daughter, that child who you tried to raise right, but has gone off. I know it seems, I know it seems too late for them to come back to Christ. I know it seems too late for you to mend your relationship. Jesus is saying, but it's not. It's never too late. He's saying that, 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 that cancer that feels like it'll never go away, that depression that feels like it's here to stay, that dream that you feel like is breathless, that, that, that thing that seems hopeless, that thing where you feel like nothing good is going to come from it, that thing, that idea in your head that you will always fail, that, that, that idea that you'll always suffer from anxiety. What Jesus is saying is he's saying it's never too late because life has shown up. Like Lazarus, whatever it is that's in the grave, it will not end in death. Because the resurrection and the life is walking through it with you. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.